Ray, if he would, to come up. We're uh, getting ready to kick off the Overcomers class. The training session starts July the 14th and the 21st. It'll be after services on Sundays from 12 to 4 p.m. Ray, tell us a little bit about, I want the congregation to understand this isn't, what we're doing here is about leaders training, right? These are for the people that are interested in training and being a part of leadership. Uh, Takes a commitment to be there every Talking. week. There every we week. <laughs> we're just getting up close and personal. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about getting in your space, huh? But this is for people who will be leading, they're attending every week and helping to lead the small groups. The program works with a small meeting, a little teaching time, and then we break into gender specific and topic specific small groups. So they'll, the, the people that are coming to these classes will be actually training to be leaders to be able to teach other classes. And then it's not just drugs or alcohol that control lives. Some, what are some of the other issues? Any life controlling issues. If you're dealing with sexual issues or hangups, if you're dealing with eating disorders, if you're dealing with fear, anger, uh, anxiety, all those things are a place where you can come and share is totally the two rules are confidentiality and respect and it'll be a safe place to come amen give him a hand please so <clears throat> we're excited about that kicking off here and it's a so those let me encourage you to get involved in these classes that are coming up so you can help become a trainer a small group leader to be able to help people that struggle with life issues. And the truth is, is I've never met anyone that doesn't struggle with life issues, right? And so what this does is it is a 12-step program that is focused on God that step-by-step step leads you to a path of freedom and recovery. And aren't we glad for that? Amen. <clears throat> Today, we start the second part in our series of learning to discern, and it's about hearing the voice of God. Uh, today's message is entitled, Heaven's Hotline. Would you say that with me? Heaven's Hotline. I thought about how that uh, sometimes our life develops and we end up being influenced by things that we really just didn't have a clear understanding of. Paul, the Apostle Paul that's responsible for writing almost two-thirds of the New Testament, is first seen in Scripture in, at the end of the seventh chapter of Acts. And there he's watching the coats, or if you will, he's, he, they, they've laid their coats at his feet and the people that are stoning Stephen and the first Christian martyr. And so while they're stoning him to death, Paul's watching their coats and at that name, his name is Saul. And if that's not bad enough, after they get done, he congratulates them. It says he was consenting to the death of Stephen. And then he goes out and he starts his own campaign. He becomes a crusader to try and destroy the lives of people that believe in Jesus. A lot hasn't changed over the years. There are still people and uh, 
that try and destroy the lives of believers. It's amazing how when you say, I claim Christ, you get a bullseye painted on you. But how many of you understand that it's worth it? <laughs> it's worth it. Paul goes through all of this, and, and I, I, I thought about this because, see, here's what you've got to understand about Paul is he's a religious guy. I mean, this isn't somebody, you know, that, that is... Uh, a mass murderer. It's not somebody that, that's never heard about God. This man was schooled in the law. So he knows all about the law. And, and you think about that and you think, how can he get so twisted? How, how could he, he become so turned around or mixed up? And here's what you've got to remember is this, is that he's heard the law and he's heard men's voices telling him what all that meant, but he's never heard the voice of God. Here's the danger is that we could go to church all our life and never hear the voice of God for ourselves. We understand that God has an audible voice, but he also has a tangible voice that speaks to our hearts. But if we're not able to discern what that voice is, and so sometimes people will be sitting, and I've talked to folks, and they told me, they said, man, I felt like the Lord was telling me I needed to go, you know, pray for an individual, or I, I needed to, I, I ought to do this for an individual, and, or, you know, I, there, I, I saw this guy standing on the street corner, and, 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 and I felt like God wanted me to reach out to him and but he had a sign and I figured it was a scam anyway so I just you know kind of you know and I, I said well Lord I'm going to circle around you know three times and so I went around once and then an hour later I went around again and an hour later I went around again and after three hours he was gone so I figured it wasn't God's will <laughs> learning to discern the voice of God being able to hear him How many of us have ever done something that we believed was right at the time only to discover we were wrong later? Anybody? Why does that happen? Because we're listening to the wrong voices. In Glacier Bay National Park, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Glacier Bay National Park, I found out... <laughs> that park rangers just recently have been going throughout the entire park and removing signs. The sign said, these glaciers will be gone by the year 2020. They had to remove all those signs because the glaciers aren't going anywhere. As a matter of fact, they found out that the glaciers are getting bigger. So they were listening to the wrong voices. According to some people, the world would not exist any longer by 2010, and we've already hit that and gone on, and because of global warming. Man, and I tell you, it's been the hottest June I can remember. <laughs> and it said it didn't work, so the voice changed, and it said now it's climate change. <gasps> you mean the climate changes? You mean... Do you mean to tell me that in the wintertime it gets cold? 
And in the summer, it gets, oh yeah, do you understand what I'm getting at? We, we hear voices that speak things to us. We act on those voices, and, and, and then we find out that the voices we were listening to were wrong. So let me see if I can give you some clarification. Let's, let's take a blast from the past, and I apologize in advance for the clarity of what you're going to see, but this goes back to the 50s. So if you would take a look at this commercial. Pa coughed and Ma coughed and Junior caught the sniffle. Bill sneezed and Jill wheezed and Sister went ka-choo. They called up the doctor and asked for his prescription. Here's what he said to do. Buy Listerine, try Listerine, buy it off germs, gargle Listerine. Buy Listerine, try Listerine, keep mouth clean without a septic Listerine. You get that? At the first, okay, stop it. At the first sign of a what? Of a cold. How many of you remember those commercials? The first sign of a cold, gargle with Listerine. Do you know they had to pull that commercial because they found out that Listerine's got nothing to do with helping you or keeping you from getting a cold? It just tasted like it ought to chase away a cold. <laughs> So people, man, I'm, I, I, I had a dad that made me gargle with Listerine because, you know, cold season was coming along. Here, gargle with this. It's good for you. <laughs> and then how many of you remember, you know what I'm talking about? It's Father's Day. You remember, my father used to spray my mouth with chloroseptic, the green stuff. I was, I was years older when I found out they made that in a cherry flavor, but I never got cherry. I got that mess that wanted, please, Dad, can I have a drink now? Can I have a, no, you can't drink for four hours. You can't, you, you gotta let it work, gotta let it work. I, how many of you have ever had that green chloroseptic? And you know what I'm talking about? It's like, good night. What evil scientist created that. And so Listerine for years was selling a product with misinformation. Everybody say it just wasn't true. But poor children like myself were pain and suffering because they were advertising something and it was just the wrong voice. Now, I want you to think back to the past, and I want you to listen to this commercial. Go ahead. You know, if you were to follow a busy doctor as he makes his daily round of calls, you'd find yourself having a mighty busy time keeping up with him. Hold on, we don't Time have... out for many men of medicine usually means... Do we not... There, now let's start it over, okay? Technology is a wonderful thing. Just long enough to enjoy a cigarette. And because they know what a pleasure it is to smoke a mild, good-tasting cigarette, they're particular about the brand they choose. In a repeated national survey, doctors in all branches of medicine, doctors in all parts of the country were asked, what cigarette do you smoke, doctor? Once again, the brand named most was Camel. 
Yes, according to this repeated nationwide survey, more doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. Why not change to camels for the next 30 days and see what a difference it makes in your smoking enjoyment? See how camels agree with your throat. See how mild and good tasting a cigarette can be. That is an actual commercial, at least the sound was. <laughs> commercial where they were, have, they were advertising camel cigarettes and said that if you follow a doctor around on his busy schedule, you'll see him light up a camel. And he said, because more doctors smoke camels than any other cigarettes. Why don't you try it for 30 days and find out how soothing to your throat it is? And how many of you have ever heard of someone with throat cancer? There was a, it was, the lawsuit, I believe, was in the billions of dollars in the tobacco industry because they perpetrated something on people. You remember cool? So cool and refreshing to the throat and, and good for you and all these commercials. Those of you that aren't old enough to remember, those commercials used to be on television all the time. They pulled them off of TV when they found out that cigarette smoking caused cancer. And then they found out that the tobacco industry put nicotine in the cigarette intentionally so you would become addicted because nicotine is as strong of an addiction as heroin. And so they put it in intentionally so once you started smoking their product, you wouldn't be able to stop. And all the time they were talking about how cool and refreshing this is. See, my contention is this. If you look at Paul and you look at how religious of a man he was, I don't believe that his intent was evil when he went out and he was, he was binding all these people and these believers. I think what happened with Paul is that he was hearing from the wrong voices. These commercials, these, these voices that speak in our life, I liken them unto crank calls. How many of you, is Jasmine here? Where are you at, Jazz? Stand up. See that? That's a rotary phone. I was talking to her a few months ago. She said, what's a rotary phone? <laughs> How old am I? You remember these? Take you five minutes to dial a number. And you could never, you could never dial and hide a call because everybody heard it. Except on my phone, I was trying to find one of those old black rotor phones. You remember that? You dial it and it'd go, it'd go. Dad'd be in bed. Are you calling somebody in there? No, no. <laughs> so those crank calls. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It was before FaceTime.
It was before cell phones. It was before caller ID. No one had a clue who was calling you. And so you'd get phone calls in the middle of the night. I had to go back through my notes. <laughs> Hello? Is your refrigerator running? <laughs> it is. Well, why aren't you chasing it? <laughs> you had to be on the phone so many seconds before they, they, they could trace a call, you know, and, and nobody's going to fool with that. And then there was always this one. You remember we were doing cigarette commercials. How many remember when, well, never mind if you remember or not. But before these manufacturers, they used to just do it in a can. And you had, you know, roll your own. I, I remember my grandma. I thought, <laughs> even if I smoked, I wouldn't put that in my mouth after you licked it. <laughs> And, and they had this, this, this tobacco called Prince Albert in a can. You remember that one? Do you have Prince Albert in a can? <gasps> Let him out before he smothers. <laughs> and there was always the classic one that my brother did called my mom. Disguised his voice. Hello. Yes, is this Mrs. McNeely? Say, well, this is George from down at uh, Sears and Roebuck Company. I'm just calling to let you know that we're going to have to send some men out to repossess your couch. You have not made a payment. On the other end of the line, what do you mean I not made a payment? I never even bought a couch from Sears. What are you talking about? I'm sorry, Mrs. McNeely, but they're on their way out and they're going to take your couch. Ain't nobody taking my couch. Daryl, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Miss, and for crank calls, we're getting information that just isn't true. And so how do you discern which voice to listen to? You, you need a hotline to heaven. You, you need someone that can speak into your life, that's speaking truth into your life. You, you need, there, as a matter of fact, years ago, the, the, how many of you remember a group called the Hensons? And they came out with a song called Holy Ghost Hotline. Get it on the hotline, heaven's telephone, it's the hotline. Reach out and touch the phone, the hotline, he answers every time. Heaven heard it all, it's a toll-free call on the Holy Ghost Hotline. <laughs> I'm going to be in concert next week. <laughs> so trying to, try and, see, here's what I want you to get. Paul had a misplaced heart because of a bad connection. His connection with God wasn't good. It was just based on a law, and it was just based on what people had spoken to him, and he never really bothered to get to know God for himself. Because sometimes we become just a product of the past. Amen. You see, it's not enough for you to know for 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 you to know about your mama's God. You need to know him for yourself. And so Paul came from the line of the Pharisees that the law wasn't enough for them, so they had another group of laws that they imposed on those, and he he learned from that, and he was 
faithful to that and he was dedicated to that. But that was wrong. It got messed up. Everybody say messed up. And so God looks down and you see, I believe that God saw in Paul a good heart. Well, how's that possible, man, with him doing all that stuff? You, you need to remember who made the call. Let me take you to Acts, the ninth chapter, seventh verse. Paul is on his way to Damascus. He, said he has obtained letters from the chief priest so he can go to Damascus and arrest believers. And he plans to drag them back to Jerusalem and throw them in jail where they'll stand trial. And he was responsible for many of their deaths. He was responsible for many of them, their families being destroyed. And he's, he's on his way there now when all of a sudden a light shines from heaven. Paul hits the ground and he begins to hear a voice speaking to him. Acts 9 and 7, Paul says, and the men, or, or the scripture says, and the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, everybody say that with me, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Hearing a voice, but seeing no one. But then in Acts, the 22nd chapter, Starting with verse 6, watch this, follow this. This is Paul speaking. He said, now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon. Suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. Amen. Now, here's my question. The scripture doesn't contradict itself. In chapter 9 and verse 7, it says that they heard the voice. And in chapter 22, it says they didn't hear the voice. How do you explain it? You have to look at the word voice. The word voice there in Greek is phone it's where we get our word telephone from and what it means is this it means a noise a sound or a voice so the men that were with Paul heard his phone ringing but they couldn't hear the voice because this is a person to person call how many of you've ever heard somebody's phone ringing Usually works something like this. This really happened. My brother was running from God. He came to a service on a Sunday morning. And he sitting there, or rather it was Sunday evening. I'm the one that went to church on Sunday morning because I knew God didn't move on Sunday morning. That's why I would go. That's what I thought until God got a hold of me on a Sunday morning. You see... God's in the same position he's always been in. It's about the condition of your heart. It's about whether or not you're willing to answer the call when he begins to speak to you. And so Daryl's sitting there, and, and, and man, the Spirit of God's moving. 
Daryl's trying to get me to talk to him. I'm not saying a word. I'm just looking ahead. He starts sweating. He said, man, it's hot in here, isn't it? It was for him. I wasn't sweating. But Daryl, the, the, the sweat's pouring off of Daryl, and, and tears start to drip from his eyes, and he's wiping them, and he's going, man, it sure is warm in here. And I would not interfere with that call. I could hear his phone ringing. I, could, I, I knew that the Spirit of God was dealing with him. I knew that God was trying to get a hotline to him. And when he finally answered that phone, it changed his life forever. Are you willing to answer that phone? Amen. Are you willing to receive that call? Do you know when a person, a person call is made, nobody else can receive it for you? Did you know that? I know everything's changed about phones now, but it used to be that if you got a phone call and said person to person, I'll let you in on a secret if you don't tell anybody. We used to travel down here to southern Illinois. We lived up around Chicago, and my grandparents are always wanted to know if we made it home safe. Well, back then, phone calls, long-distance phone calls were very expensive to make. And so what they did is they had a system. They would call my grandparents' house, and they would call a person-to-person. And they would say, I want to make a person-to-person call to George McNeely. And, and they'd give the number, and they would call. And on the other end, my grandpa would answer the phone. His name was John. And they'd say, uh, yes, we have a person-to-person call for a George McNeely. He'd say, oh, he's not here? Okay, sir, he's not there. All right, thank you. They knew that we made it home. But check this out. Mama is trying to receive the call for her son. Daddy's trying to receive the call for his daughter doesn't work that way. This is person to person. God isn't going to go through you to talk to them. He wants to talk to them himself. Let me say it to you this way, because God could give you a word for somebody, but I want you to understand what I'm talking about. You cannot have a relationship with God through another individual. You have to go to God for yourself. God doesn't need a middleman. It's been torn. The veil in the temple was torn down. He's got, there is a hotline from heaven that God's trying to get you to answer. You really believe that? I absolutely believe that. You mean you think there's a literal hotline? I've, I've heard it ring. Let me tell you a story. This is, this is true. It happened. It was a girl. Her name was Susan. She was a young girl, and she was dying in a hospital. Her parents had stood by her bedside, and they didn't know what to do. There was nothing that could be done, and Susan was soon to go. And all of a sudden, you know, they had stepped out of the room for a moment to talk with doctors when the phone rang. When the phone rang, 
a nurse was in Susan's room. Susan wasn't in any shape to answer a phone. A nurse was in Susan's room. She picked the phone up and she said hello. And a voice on the other end said, tell Susan her ride is on its way. And it hung up. All of a sudden, Susan's vitals went wild. And they started rushing in. And in that mix, Susan passed. And as she passed, you know, the family gathered in. Their mother and father were there. And they, they, they gathered in. And they were talking to each other. And then all of a sudden, the nurse said, well, remember that phone call? And she said, well, I got a phone call when you guys stepped out of the room. And it said, tell Susan her ride was on its way. And then and, and they called the switchboard. And they said, they, they got to the hospital switchboard because no call could come into that room unless it went through that switchboard. And they said, who called this room? The lady said, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, no, a call came through here just a few minutes ago. She said, I have been on shift for four or five hours. No call has come through this switchboard to that room. I'm telling you that God was letting Susan know, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't forsaken you, but I'm coming to get you. Your ride is on its way. Isn't it good to know that when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to be afraid because there's a God that's got your number. When you begin to have a conversation with God, and you sense it here, you know God's talking to you. You know God's speaking to your heart. Pastor had been discouraged just felt like nothing he did mattered anymore he left on vacation with his family so they were traveling down the road and it just kept rolling over and over in his head thinking that you know do I have purpose what after a while they got hungry and he pulled into a restaurant and they stopped and he told them he said you you guys go ahead and go on in to the restaurant I'll I'll be in a little bit later I I just want to pray for a minute so they went into the restaurant and he sat in the car and he began to pour out his heart and he said God I feel like you're so far away from me I wonder if I've matter if if what I do even makes a difference anymore. And he said, God, he said, just to be honest with you, sometimes I wonder if you've even still got my number. And he finished praying, got out of the car, and he was walking into the restroom, I mean into the restaurant, when a payphone started ringing. Many of you in here are too young to remember payphones, but there used to be payphones all over the place. And it was ringing, and there was nobody around that payphone. And he picked it up, and when he picked it up, the lady on the other end said, is, is this brother, and called his name. And 
he said, yes. I, I said, well, I, I'd been to your church and said, I, I just, I, I, I'm in a desperate need. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do. I'm, I, I'm getting ready to, I was getting ready to take my life. And I felt, and he starts ministering to her and talking to her. And he begins to bring her back to God. And she begins to respond to that. And, as, uh, and all of a sudden after that crucial moment when now she's okay and, and, and things are good with her and she's ready to go again and she's ready to try again from the other line she said brother I had no idea she said that I I, I was I said while I was going through this he, he made a statement he said or he, she said I had no idea she said I was I was going through this I was getting ready to kill myself and she said and I saw these phone or these these numbers and I thought well maybe it's your phone she said I had no idea that I was calling your office <laughs> he said lady I'm 300 miles away from home. I walked by a payphone and it rang. God has got your number. You need to understand that you've got a purpose and God's got a plan for your life. And just because there have been some voices that have spoken into you that have confused you or caused you to go after something that was wrong that you thought was right is no reason to give up. It's time to stand up and say, here I am, God. Talk to me. Talk to me, God. As a 15-year-old that lost his father, I wanted God to talk to me. I laid in my bed for weeks and cried myself to sleep. I wanted God to talk to me. I'd done all the talking to that point. How could you do this to me? I thought you loved me. I thought you said you cared about me. And this went on and on. And I remember one night laying down and my phone rang. There wasn't a physical phone in that room, but in my heart, something began to ring. And I heard a voice speaking to my heart. And it was just as real as one that was speaking to my ear. And he said, you prayed and you told me that you wanted me to save your father. He said, your father's saved now and in my presence. He said, I could have given him to you for another 15 years and you could have lost him forever. But now you've got forever. I never cried myself to sleep again. It was done. I'd heard from heaven. God had given me an answer. God wants to give you one here today. Learning to discern the voice of God. So Father, I know how important it is to hear from God for your family. You want to here for your sons, your daughters, your wife, yourself. Sometimes we get so busy that we don't want to answer the phone. You got your phone. She never does. How many of you have ever tried to get a hold of your spouse and they don't answer their phone wave your hand at me we all have the same phone service apparently 
It's not like you got one of these shoved down in your pocket walking around. <laughs> you know what I mean? You remember the day, don't you? Bag phones came out. People walking around carrying a bag. What's that? It's my phone. <laughs> the bigger it was, the better it was. Now they got them, man, where they're the size of credit cards, you know, just they've got them on watches. Cat's got a Dick Tracy watch. <laughs> Walking through the store, you see people going, mission to control, mission to control. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? How many times you walked up to somebody and thought they were talking to you? <laughs> Only to find out that they got some guys talking, hey, yeah, and I said, oh, how you doing? Oh. <laughs> Can't get through. <laughs> I, I, I call Debbie a lot of times and her phone's not with her. And then I, you know, so, and then I get a little concerned sometimes and she'll answer the phone. I said, honey. We could have saved a lot of money if I'd known you weren't going to use that phone. <laughs> God has a hotline to your heart. Amen. And he wants to speak to you if you're willing to say, here I am, God. Amen. When Paul answered that phone, he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus. Kind of rough for you right now, isn't it? You've been fighting against me all this time, and you've known in your heart that I was real. Hard for you to kick against the pricks. What was he saying? He's saying, you've known all along, but you wouldn't let me penetrate your heart. You kept putting things in front of it. You kept talking to other voices. I've seen people that God's trying to talk to, and the first thing they do is try and get in a conversation with someone else. Any voice that will drown out his. I got it. <laughs> Hello? Yeah, they're here. I'll let them know. Thanks. He said he wants to talk to you. Not, not after church right now. Would you stand with me? <laughs> Lord, I'm trying my best. I told him, yeah, I know some of them are a little hard of hearing, but that's okay. <laughs> when... He doesn't just have your number. He knows your name. He loves you, and he cares about you. I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come and stand with me for a second if they would, but I, I want us to do something maybe just a little different today. If you're in this house today and you're a father, would you come forward right now just quickly come forward if you're a father in this house. Just come and stand here in the front. Just come in and stand. I just want the dads right now, just the dads come up.
Come in and stand. Look at this. We were at Harrisburg yesterday at the Youth Correctional Center, and there were young men that were incarcerated. I met a little 13-year-old boy that's going to spend his life in juvenile detention up till he's 21 because he shot and killed his stepmother. That kid didn't look like he had a mean bone in his body. Talking to some of the folks, they said that they think that maybe his father may have put him up to it. We need men. Men. Church, I want you to take a look around right now because that's what you see in front of you today are men. Men that aren't afraid to say, I believe in God. Men that aren't afraid to stand in the gap for their family. Men. I looked at those boys. Brian, is he in here today? He, James and Natalie and Brian gave the testimonies, and Brian came up and opened up like I'd never heard him open up before. I thought, man, that boy's got some preach in him. And he started opening up and talking about his life and all his mistakes and everything that he did wrong. And he looked at them and talked to them about how God saved him. And he kept telling them, I wasn't worthy. I wasn't worthy. I wasn't worthy. Because the devil beats us up with this stuff about you think you're worthy, you think you're good enough. We stand before you today and say we know we're not. But this isn't about us. This is all about him. And he said, I can. And he said, I will. And so, you may have already raised your children. They may be out of your household. But I'm telling you, I know personally that there are a host of children that need a father's voice in their life. Just because you give a girl, you get a girl pregnant doesn't make you a father. A father comes from finding in your heart that I want the best for my kids, and sometimes that comes late in life. But it's never too late to say, here I am, God. Amen. Paul had spent years, decades of his life hearing the wrong voice. But when he finally got that hotline from heaven, his life changed dramatically. And it caused the lives of thousands to change dramatically. Amen. That phone call he got is still changing lives today. Amen. Because he heard and he obeyed. How many of you men are ready to say, here I am, God, use me? Just stretch those hands to heaven right now. Here I am, God, use me. 
I want you to use me with my own children. And, but I, I want you to hear this, and we're going to pray. There was a guy that was coming to the church years ago, and he got up and he was testifying. He said, you know, he said, I've done everything I know to do to reach my kids. And he said, it seems like they won't hear me. He said, and I started praying, God, if I can't reach my children, help me reach somebody's children, and then maybe somebody will reach mine. Look around you. There are children everywhere that are looking for a father. Amen. Children everywhere that are seeking God, wanting just a father in their life. You, my friend, may be the answer to that prayer. Are you ready? Now, this is what I want you to do. Those of you that are back there, I want you to come forward if you would and stand by your man. <laughs> stand by your father. Stand by your husband. And I want you to, if you would, say this for a moment. You know, one of the things I learned as a father from, from hearing from God was being able to say, I'm sorry. I had a daughter that I could raise my voice and she would just break down and, you know, I had a son I could raise my voice, I could raise the roof, I could raise Cain, didn't matter what I raised. And sometimes he would, he would just take me to the limits and I would get angry. I never, you know, I, I mean, I never got angry to the point of hitting somebody, but, you know, yelling when I should have been speaking. and. I remember going to him and saying, son, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have lost my temper like that and, and yelled. But let me explain to you what took me there. Because I need you to understand. It's never my intent. See, sometimes guys are real bad about not opening up. We have to learn how to open up so people can see our hearts because it's your hearts that your children want. It's your hearts that your spouse wants. It's your heart, not your stuff, not your ability to supply. It's you. At the end of the day, what, God, what good is a house that's filled with riches if it lacks love? And so I'm asking you to whisper in their ear, look them in the face if you want, whatever, but I, I want you just to say to your spouse today, to your husband, to your dad, I believe in you. I believe in you. Would you say it right now? Take a moment and say it right now. I believe in you. Come on, come on. Say it. You don't know what that means. I believe in you. You don't know what that means to hear from your... Debbie came to me the other day and she said, I want to thank you, honey. She said, because you made it, you made it all happen. Everything I asked you to do, you took care of. You made it happen. Thank you so much. I walked out of that room. <laughs> Feeling like the man. Everybody say the man. 
this Father's Day, this is what I want you to understand. God wants you to understand the impact of your presence. Sometimes we feel like we fail so miserably. And it's because you're listening to the wrong voices. God believes in you. God wants the best for you. And my friend, God's big enough, bad enough, rough enough, and got stuff enough to make it happen for you. Amen. So stretch your hands together. We're going to pray. If you've got, are you ready to stretch it up there? Father, I thank you for being an example to us of what a father looks like. Lord, I, we with our hearts want to emulate you. We want to be more like you, Lord. So we pray today your blessing over the fathers. We pray that you smile on them and keep them, that you strengthen them and hold them, that you give them peace in their hearts and a word from you that they can share with their family. Let them be able to speak life and not death, hope and not fear. For we understand that if you're for us, who could possibly be against us? And we give you praise for our families today in Jesus' name. Come on and give them a hand clap of praise in this house. I want you to be able to go and spend some time with your dad today. If he's alive, give him a call. I haven't been able to call mine for some time, but he's still alive in here. (laughs) The things that he taught me, the things that he said, I hear coming out of my mouth sometimes. Were you born in a barn? (laughs) So as you go today, let me pray this prayer over you. Father, I pray, God, your blessing. Let them know that they're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Bless them going out and coming in. Bless their time today with their dads and their families. Lord, unite us in love and God help us to answer heaven's hotline in Jesus' name. God bless you today. If you've got a special need, prayer partners are here to pray for you. Just come on up and they'll enjoy being able to pray with you today.
enough to